Welcome to another episode of The Intellectuals. Our guest today is a very famous author. Her name is Rebecca Friedrichs. Uh, but before we get into her book and a lot of sensational material that that book presents, I'd like to give just a, just a short introduction so you know who we're speaking to today. Uh, Rebecca is a 28-year public school teacher who was forced to fund state and national teachers unions whose politics and divisive tactics degraded her profession, our schools, and our national character. Her lawsuit, Friedrichs versus California Teachers Association, sought to free teachers from forced unionism. The case argued before the Supreme Court in 2016 and blazed the trail for ending forced unionism for teachers and all government employees. Rebecca continues to the fight to stop so-called teachers unions from destroying our schools and American values. She authored Standing Up to Goliath, an expose of bully unions told through dozens of powerful personal accounts. I enjoyed reading the book, Rebecca. It was very difficult to put down, but I had to go to sleep at one point and, and pick it up in the morning. Thank you. Uh, Rebecca is a Prager University host and founded for Kids and Country, a national movement of citizens uniting to restore our schools and culture. Rebecca, it's a tremendous honor and, and privilege for me to have this conversation with you. Oh, the honor is all mine. Thank you so much, Ron. You bet. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to found for Kids and Country and write your book. Well, sure. I taught 28 years. I would still be in the classroom if it wasn't so corrupt. The whole educational system has been corrupt, corrupted by these so-called unions and their special interest group pals. And my husband was a 42-year teacher. We have many teachers in our family. And we were, we've just been so disturbed by what's happened in the classrooms. So um, we felt compelled to give voice to teachers because our teach our voices have been completely silenced by these unions who claim to represent us. They do not represent us. They've actually usurped us. They've usurped our authority. They've undermined parents. They've brought harm to children. They've uh, completely demolished our in incredible educational system. And so we witnessed all of that going on personally. Um, and my husband, Charles, and I thought, you know, it's time to do something about it. So after the lawsuit, we, I, I wrote the book, Standing Up to Goliath. And the reason I wrote the book is during my journey, uh, myself and 10 other California teachers brought this lawsuit. And throughout their, our journey, we kept meeting other teachers like us who were also disgusted by what was going on, but they didn't have a voice. And the teachers unions claim to represent all of us. And they tell Americans that we all agree with their uh, nonsense, their sexualizing of children and uh, uh, their critical race theory uh, and poisoning the minds of American children and literally working to undermine our free republic. And so we thought, well, wait a minute, we can't let America believe that teachers think this way, we don't. So we started speaking out and I wrote uh, Standing Up to Goliath because I wanted to share the stories of all those teachers, those brave teachers who were willing to speak out. So the book uh, highlights the stories of dozens of brave teachers, some parents, some kids, and it also shares uh, my personal journey and the journey of my fellow plaintiffs as we went to the U.S. Supreme Court fighting against the unions and for freedom. And we started for Kids and Country because we couldn't find any other organization in the country 
that was specifically working to give voice to teachers or that even really understood the plight of teachers. Um, most of them were too afraid to speak against teachers unions because they didn't want to offend teachers. But uh, teachers unions don't represent teachers. So we weren't afraid to speak out against teachers unions. So that's why we started For Kids and Country. And our hope is to bring teachers and parents and all the education stakeholders back together again so mm -hmm. that we can restore our schools and our culture. Well, I, I was really surprised to, to see the extent of the bullying that that was taking place. Um, I mean, your, your book is very, very um, graphic. Uh, I mean, description wise, in terms of the bullying and, and the fear that was being instilled in teachers. Um, I, I couldn't help but uh, when I was reading your book was to harken back on a, a book but by Della Bella, Bella Dodd wrote this book, School of Darkness, and it's uh, it's really sinister. It has a sickle and, and hammer behind a crucifix. Uh, there's a passage in the book, though, that really struck me. Uh, at Hunter, the, the college that she taught at in New York, and it was just across the town from uh, Columbia, hmm. she said, at, at Hunter, I continued active in the instructors association to better the economic conditions of the college teachers. Soon I was invited by a number of communist teachers to attend meetings on lower fifth Avenue, where I met top executives of the so-called classroom teachers association. Ostensibly, this was a grassroots movement of teachers, but they were being taught the techniques of mass action and were carefully organized on the basis of the class struggle philosophy. They were a disciplined band secretly associated with the Trade Union Unity League led by William Z. Foster. And that was in 1933. Mm -hmm. And when I checked out William Foster, he wrote this book published in 1912 towards Soviet mm -hmm. America. Really wow. Wow. Disturbing. Well, I, I mean, have to I, tell you, oh, go ahead. I, I served for 30 years in the military in our big threat at the time was communism. Yes. And yes. so I didn't have any idea that this stuff was taking place within our uh, other institutions within America. Well, and this is, you know, I'm not shocked by this at all. Tragically, um, uh, this is precisely what's been going on in America for about a hundred years. Our agencies and institutions have been fully infiltrated by communists. And I'm not surprised that you mentioned Columbia University being close by to Bella Dodd because, um, there was a school called the Frankfurt School that was started at Columbia University in 1933, the very year you mentioned. And that school was started by communists. And uh, John Dewey was part of that. And John Dewey was named the um, honorary president of the National Education Association. Um, the teacher unions have always been involved with the Communist Party. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the communist goals, I wish I had it in front of me right now, but goal number 17 states that the communists wanted to infiltrate the teacher associations and put the party line in the textbooks and use the schools as transmission belts of communism and socialism and propaganda. That's precisely what they've done. They did it through the Frankfurt School and also used that school to infiltrate our teacher colleges throughout the country. So unfortunately, you'll get these, you know, naive teachers that just want to go into teaching and they end up in these teacher colleges and they end up brainwashed. Um, and so very sadly, um, though, 
these activist teachers, the ones who get brainwashed or the ones that were hand selected by the unions and are literal activists, they're the ones that get the voice in the educational system. Teachers like myself, good, godly teachers who are just doing an honest day's work, who love the children, who would never teach anti-American sentiments or never do anything to harm children. Those teachers are the majority, but they never get a voice. And so, um, you know, this just doesn't surprise me at all. These are uh, people who hate America. They're people who don't want us to be a free republic. It is their goal to make us a socialist slash communist um, country. They are intentionally undermining our great educational system and intention they intentionally use teachers to fund this nightmare. And um, that's why we brought our lawsuit because we didn't think teachers should be forced to fund that anymore or any other government employees. But the trouble is union, most people don't realize they've been freed from this um, bondage to unions. Uh, and so our constant you know, cry to everyone is you're free, you're free. If you're a government employee, you don't have to pay unions anymore. You might still be in a union shop but please stop paying them because they're destroying our, our country. They're destroying your liberties. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a parent, they're undermining your parental authority. So, um, so yeah, I'm not surprised at all by those, uh, those two books. What a shame. Let's fight it. Well, I, and I want to come back to the Supreme Court uh, business here, but there's another quote I want to share. This was published in 1848 by Marx and Engels. Uh, chapter two, abolition of the family, exclamation point. Even the most radical flare up, even the most radical flare up at the infamous proposal of the communists. Do you charge us with wanting to stop the exploitation of children by their parents? Question mark. Mm. To this crime, we plead guilty. But you say we destroy the most hollowed of relations when we replace home education by social and your education exclamation point is not that also social and determined by the social conditions under which you educate by the intervention direct or indirect of society by means of schools etc hmm. the communists have not invented the intervention of society in education they do but seek to alter the character of that intervention and to rescue education from the influence of the ruling class. And I think of Governor DeSantis and the brave politicians in Florida who enacted that bill saying that parents just are not ready for their children to be exposed to certain things, kindergarten through third grade. Right. And so this is very consistent with what you've been battling. Oh, 100%. And, uh, you know, what you just read from Marx and Engels, I mean, they're not hiding it, are they? No. Uh, it's very clear that the Marxists, the communists, uh, they want our kids. They, they believe that the state owns the kids and not the parents. And um, it's very interesting to note that they're the ones that started a public education system. Uh, you know, our founders weren't educated in these mass uh, government institutions where the government was telling us what to teach. Our founders are rolling in their graves over that. Mm. You know, they told us the only way to keep a free republic is with a well-educated and moral citizenry that can self-govern. So people like Marx and Engels and their uh, proselytes who come on and, and push this communist agenda, they realize they have to undermine a great education. They have to purposely make it a, a poor education, dumb it down. They literally say dumb down the curriculum and they have to remove morals. 
So they do this on purpose and they have to undermine the family. The family is the, the, you know, the, the base of society. Your society thrives based on the family. So they have to destroy that. And they had to put our kids in these government-run indoctrination centers and told parents, you know, you're too dumb to educate your own kid. Let the experts do it. And I'm here to tell you, I've listened to these experts as a teacher. I was forced to go to all these trainings. These experts are the dumbest people I've ever listened to in my life. They don't know much. They don't know how to teach. They couldn't even present to us well. They've just been hand selected by the unions and their, you know, and the overlords. And they've decided these are the folks who are going to indoctrinate everybody. So I'm here to tell people, no, the parents are the number one educators of their children and good teachers support parents. And good teachers teach well. They don't listen to these experts and the, all these new ideas. Good teachers go back to the old tried and true, the classical liberal arts, the phonics, uh, things that actually work and that uh, you know create a strong um, and patriotic and God-fearing society, people with integrity. When we talk about expertise, there's the culture of fear that is instilled among teachers. Tell us a little bit more about you and you write about this in your book yes i do so the teachers unions are they use mafia tactics to control teachers that's the best way to describe it uh teachers are terrorized and have been for for decades i'll just tell one story one of my friends who's no longer with us ruth finnegan um was a teacher in the 1960s and she started teaching in hershey pennsylvania and she soon found out oh my goodness we're being unionized the union came in and said, has to be 100%, has to be 100%. And Ruth said, you know, what do you do for teachers? I'm not a joiner. I don't want to join. And they, you know, told her, everybody has to join. You know, you need us because you're going to get sued. Well, she was a holdout. She said, I'm, I'm not going to join. So she was in her classroom after school one day, grading papers, and five men in black suits come into her classroom to harass her into joining the union. She still held out. But she finally gave in months later when she couldn't get any other teachers or principals or anyone to stand with her. They all secretly told her they didn't want the union, but they were all too terrified mm. not to join. And then the unions were able to get their stronghold where union unionization or pay in the unions became a condition of employment. So we all had to pay them no matter what. So um, the unions are, uh, they're, they're just big time bullies. They're they're nasty. They're brutal to teachers. If you dare to push back, if you dare to say, hey, you know, we don't want our money spent on politics, they shut you down. They use isolation. They uh, they deceive you. They tell you flat out lies to get you to uh, go along with their agenda. So that's the sort of um, situation teachers have been under for decades. That The cancel culture that we're all seeing, teachers have been under cancel culture at least since the 1960s. And uh, these unions took over the teachers associations in the late 1800s. Mm. So it's been going on for a very long time. And, and I think it's time we free teachers from that grip. Well, late 1800s, the English translation of uh, the Communist Manifesto took place in 1888. Uh, you know, when you talk about the black suits, my youngest daughter is a teacher and she spent 10 years in China, seven of those trying to establish it an international baccalaureate program. And she told me about being visited every day by men in black suits. Wow. So when you describe that experience, it just, it's uh, pretty frightening. It, uh, it really is, especially in what's supposed to be a free republic. 
Exactly. Rebecca, let's let's shift to um, maybe a, a darker side of what's happening in our schools. Your book tells a shocking tale about states and the union pushing radical sex ideas onto our children starting at a young age. What is comprehensive sexuality education and why do you say it constitutes child abuse? Well, comprehensive sexuality education, we'll call it for short CSE. Um, they, they try to make it sound really nice. They make it sound like it's age appropriate, but it absolutely is not. Comprehensive sexuality education is, is working to make sure that your child is sexualized at a very young age and that they're taught every detail. They're supposed to, teachers are told that they have to teach children how to use all the different um, uh, methods for birth control. There's like 19 different methods. Well, and you're supposed to demonstrate them all to the kids. Uh, so, so what's happening is children are being sexualized and it's happening at younger and younger ages. So I'm in California and a CSE became law in California in 2017 through a, a, a law called the California Healthy Youth Act. See, they call it healthy and they say it's for youth, but when you read the bill, and then when you look at the six different curricular that have been approved to go along with this law in California, it's shocking. All six curricular are equally um, pornographic. And I'll just describe a couple of lessons from uh, uh, what's called Making Proud Choices Written by Planned Parenthood. So this particular curricula approved in the state of California and many other states, there, there's a lesson called uh, the condom relay races. And teachers are literally told, line the students up into teams, like relay race teams, and it has to be boys and girls together because according to CSE, you can't assume anybody's gender anymore. So a boy could really be a girl and a girl could be, really be a boy. This is anti-scientific. This is against their parents' rights. It's against, you know, it's just against truth. But oh, you know, this is, these are the lies that are being promoted as part of CSE. So the teacher's supposed to line these kids up in teams and then supposed to put out an anatomically correct, fully erect adult male penis model. And these kids are supposed to race and put condoms on this model. And they claim that this lesson is age appropriate because it's a game. There's absolutely nothing age appropriate about this lesson. I learned about it from a parent whose daughter was 11 years old in fifth grade and this curricula was being used in her classroom. And, you know, this mother was so upset, they, you know, they don't send, um, uh, you know, they don't give you the option to opt in. They might send a letter that's buried at the bottom of a stack and parents never see it and they don't get to opt out and their children are exposed to this stuff. There, uh, you know, there's, there's activist teachers telling these kids there's a spectrum of genders, a never ending spectrum of genders. And, uh, and maybe you're not really a boy or really a girl. Maybe you're a tree, you know, maybe you're a dog. And you can just change your gender every day. I mean, number one, at the at the lightest, it's a fairy tale. But worse, it's just truly evil mm. to teach children these sorts of things, to completely undermine their identity. Uh, in CSE, they're teaching children, you know, you don't know you might be homosexual. You don't know till you try it. So why don't you go sleep with the opposite sex? They have these games where the children are, are learning very crass um, information. They're they're being taught by other children in the curricula where the children are telling them, you know, I remember one lesson where a little girl said, I think she was 12 years old, 
said, oh, you know, I had sex with a boy and I didn't like it. So now I'm going to have sex with a girl. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Mm. And every parent out there who loves their children would be against this nasty um, uh, comprehensive sexuality education. And teachers are against it, too. And because of that, what the, the unions help write these laws. The unions are the ones pushing them. The unions are the ones putting the legislators in office who promote these bills and who pass them and who push this on us. And so what they do is they purposely write in these laws that if teachers are unqualified to teach it, then the experts will be brought in. What does that mean in real life? Teachers aren't going to teach it. We say, this is child abuse. I'll never teach this. Well, then Planned Parenthood is brought in. They'll abuse your child every day. So now schools all across the country have contracts with Planned Parenthood to come in and sexualize your children without your knowledge. It can happen in any grade level. It can happen in any um, uh, subject area. So it doesn't have to just be health or sex ed class. You have some activist union, you know, uh, uh, indoctrinated teacher running your kid's class. Your child could learn about this in elementary school in math. So it's just uh, it's this agenda to completely take over our children's morals, to undermine their morals, to take over their minds. And comprehensive sexuality education works in concert with a critical race theory and social emotional learning. Together, they take control of your children's minds. They take control of your children's bodies. So this is all part of the Marxist agenda. It's frightening, and it's something we must fight. Well, here locally in, in the Colorado Springs area, Colorado, uh, we had a group that opposed, similar to the DeSantis uh, effort in Florida, that we wouldn't teach kindergarten through third grade things about sexual orientation and whatever. Uh, an article in the paper, they were quoting an organization that helps LGBTQ transgender children. And she was quoted in the paper saying, you know, this has nothing to do with sex. You know, they, they, they promote LGBTQ transgenderism and say that it has nothing to do with sex. It's, wow. it's, all, it's all about sex. It absolutely. It just shows you they're deceivers. They're liars. All of it's about sex. And I've seen these lessons and I've read these curricula and I've read the, uh, the supplemental books that they have for the, for the activist te you know, teachers. I've seen the videos, the amaze.org videos. It's, it's pornography. It might be in a cartoon, but it's pornography. It's all about sex. They're completely sexualizing these children. They're, they're undermining parental authority. They're, they're undermining the relationship of children with their parents. We, we know of many parents who have reached out to us where they didn't even know that their children were being manipulated and told that they were another gender. Their kids are going by another gender at school and that information is being hidden from the parents. And then they come out at graduation or at some event and it's the first time the parents ever heard about it. And these children are being sexualized in after-school classes, which by the way, are funded and promoted by the teacher unions. And it's a hundred percent about sex. This is how communists get a hold of kids. They sexualize them. And uh, it's, it's just absolutely uh, dangerous for our free republic. It's dangerous for our families. And, and like I said before, it's something we all have to fight. Well, what we're talking about is, is political in nature. Now, your book cites statistics about the political orientation of teachers and makes the case that the union is not representative of membership. 
What do you mean by that? Yeah, that is so true. So the National Education Association, the largest national teachers union, actually did three surveys over a 35-year period, and I have those in the book. And in those surveys, they asked teachers, what's your political affiliation? Here's what they discovered. The majority of teachers lean conservative and a very small minority, 12% lean liberal. Now they asked them liberal. They didn't say radical leftist. So I think if they had said radical leftist, it would have been an even smaller minority, but let's say 12%. So if you have 12% that are on this leftist side and the rest of them are you know, in the middle and then the majority are leaning conservative, why are you spending you know, 95, 98, sometimes 100% of your union funding on radical far left communist candidates? Why are you spending all your money on uh, candidates that are so-called progressive and believe in abortion when you have all these teachers, majority of teachers, leaning conservative. So these unions, they claim that they're representing teachers. They're not. And it's not just um, politically. They're not representing us as a profession. You know, they're, they're bringing in social justice warrior and all of this, um, uh, you know, indoctrination that is not education at all. In fact, it's undermining education. And then they're removing the great education that we were providing to the children for so many years. So they're not representing teachers politically. They're not representing us professionally. And, and out in the media, they make us all look like we're a bunch of child abusers or like we're a bunch of activists who are using the classroom to promote a political agenda. My entire career, my students never knew how I voted. They didn't know what party I belonged to. They didn't know any of that. They just were taught to be patriotic, to be gracious people of character, to work hard, you know, they were taught good good lessons all day, every day, and, and they were taught to respect authority and respect their president of the United States, whoever it was, even if it was somebody I didn't like at all. I never told my students what I believed. And teachers didn't. It, it, was, it was part of our profession that we would never do that. Now, all of a sudden, there's all this radical far-left politics, and people think that all teachers are like that. We're not. The majority of teachers are not. It's a lie. It's a lie promoted by so-called teacher unions who are actually using teachers as pawns to fund their radical far left political agenda. In my opinion, we need to make government unions illegal again. They used to be illegal and they weaseled their way in. And uh, all they've done since uh, government unions uh, were allowed to, um, to exist, all they've done is destroy our country. They have infiltrated our agencies and our institutions. And when you really start digging, into look at the CDC that's so corrupt, it's unionized. Look at the libraries they have all these horrible books sexualizing our kids, hurting our kids, they're unionized. When you start looking into it, these agencies and institutions that are falling apart are controlled by unions. So we really need to make them illegal again. Well, <clears throat> you're part of a very important movement to restore sanity, I think, to America. Uh, you know, we had touched upon earlier the Supreme Court case that you were named in Friedrichs versus uh, the California Teachers Association. Now that ended up being four to four. Uh, can you explain to our viewers what happened? It started your oral arguments in January of 2016. Yes. So the day of oral arguments was glorious. Everyone, even the New York Times admitted we won oral arguments. 
our uh, swing vote was Justice Scalia. He was the one we had to convince. He actually used my talking points from the bench. He he literally said to the unions, um, by the way, uh, Kamala Harris, who was the attorney general of California at that time, intervened the entire state of California against us, 10 California teachers. Um, and then the Obama administration, Obama-Biden administration, intervened the entire United States of America against 10 teachers standing up for what's right for children and families. And so we literally had the whole United States of America, the heft of the government, the whole state of California, and the unions, the most powerful unions in the country, against 10 little teachers. So everyone called us David versus Goliath. And we like that because David won. But um, so when we went to oral arguments, it was our lawyer against three lawyers, the Solicitor General of the state of California, the Solicitor General of the United States of America, and the union lawyers. And you know, it was amazing because those three lawyers, we had prayed that they would, that their plans would be thwarted. They tripped all over each other. And it, it was amazing to watch. And Justice Scalia said from the bench, you know, these teachers are saying that uh, collective bargaining is political because you're, you as unions, you're using the dues money that's collected from teachers who are funded by taxpayer dollars. They pay you this dues money. And now you're using this money not only to fund politics, but also to fund collective bargaining. And you're collectively bargaining with people you put in office as unions. So the unions are on both sides of the table. It's a corrupt situation. And Scalia said it. He said, all collective bargaining is political all the time. So every penny you collect is political. And the unions admitted it during oral arguments. So we knew we had won those oral arguments. We knew we had Scalia on our side. And tragically, uh, if, in case people don't know how the Supreme Court works, your case is heard one day. Ours was heard on January 11, 2016. The justices go in and vote. You don't get to see their vote. But then they write an, a decision. And your decision comes out later in the session. Well, our case and Little Sisters of the Poor were the two biggest cases of, the, of that year, that, that um, session. So we knew our case would come down in late June. And um, so they were writing the decision. One month after oral arguments were heard, Justice Scalia died. And it's really interesting because during our case, since I was the named plaintiff, the number one question people asked me was, are you afraid for your life? That's how terrified people are of unions. That's how much they know that they're, you know, mobs, mobsters. Um, so after Scalia's death, the number one question to me to this day the number one question is, do you think the unions killed him? And I never answered that question, but the fact that that many, thousands of people have asked me that, the fact that that many people would ask that question tells you all you need to know about the unions and their tactics and their cruelty and, and the things that they do to manipulate and terrorize people. So once Scalia died, a dead man's vote at the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't count. The justices have to be in the room when the decision comes down for their vote to count. So we lost Scalia's vote and we had hoped for a rehearing. But at that time, uh, Hillary and uh, Trump were running against each other and everyone thought Hillary was going to win at that point. Uh, so the just we asked the justices for a rehearing. They kept that on their docket till the last day of the session. And in June, on my birthday, actually, they denied our rehearing. Well, thank them. We think they did that for political reasons because it looked like Hillary was going to win. And if our case had been heard with a justice replacing Scalia, who was appointed by Hillary, we would have set a precedent that unions would be in charge forever. 
So um, uh, another case was built on our case, a case called Janus, built precisely on our case. They used our talking points, everything. We got the ball to the one yard line. We just needed someone to bring it over to a touchdown. So Janet, once, uh, once Trump won and he appointed a new justice, Janice went forward. Janice was heard in 2018 and won on my birthday in 2018. So now all government employees in the United States of America, including teachers, no longer have to fund unions. You might be in a union shop, but you don't have to pay them anymore. And I hope you won't, because if you're funding a government union, you're unfortunately complicit in the destruction of our constitutional free republic, in the destruction of little children and their families, in all this critical race theory, open borders, all these problems we're having are coming from these government unions led by the teachers unions. So we hope and pray that many, many millions will stop funding unions now that they know that they can. So that so you were involved in a, a very precedent setting um, set of cases there, which which is really great. I mean, that becomes the law of the land now, basically. Yes, that's uh, right. And, and it not only was precedent setting, but we also overturned a 1977 Supreme Court decision, um, which was called a boot. So that's a big deal to overturn uh, a decision. The justices don't like to do that. But it was just so obvious that these unions are just these political animals and they weren't really representing us. Um, they're actually bringing a lot of harm. So mm -hmm. thankfully, the majority of justices could see that and ruled in our favor. Good. Well, Rebecca, I, uh, one one last thread here before we wrap it up. Uh, what doctrines regarding race, R-A-C-E, race, are the unions pushing? Why are they harming our country? Well, the teachers unions push critical race theory and everything that goes with it. Eth ethnic studies, they have so many names for it. But um, the reason they're pushing that is because they're Marxists, because they're communists. So... Marx came up with something called critical theory. And your, your viewers probably already know this, but critical theory, I describe it as divide and conquer. It's anything to divide the people in a country, a family, whatever. You just have to divide. Why? Because then you can take over. So um, critical theory works in all sorts of ways. You can have critical class theory. You could have critical mask, you know, does a person wear a mask or not, or, or you know, get the shot um, theory. You can have um, just all kinds of critical theory, but America's a melting pot. We have people from countries all over the world who chose to come here for freedom because we're such a great country based on Judeo-Christian virtue and goodness. And so people came here out of choice. And so if you're a communist and you want to destroy the constitutional free republic called United States of America, you need to divide and conquer. And so when you come in and see, well, there's all these races, it's very easy to make your plan. Let's divide everybody by race, thus critical race theory. Mm. So critical race theory is used, uh, you know, as young as preschool, depending on the activist teacher running the classroom. And it's used to turn children against each other, to turn them against their neighbor, to turn them in some cases against their own family. Um, it's disgusting and it's very much on purpose. And what the, what these people, these communists do is they find, um, they find groups that they can use, that they can exploit. And so that's why they exploit the LGBTQ. You never heard about all this, all these LGBTQ issues going on before people might've been quietly lesbian or quietly gay or quietly part of the transgender 
um, a, a move, uh, you know, just that's what they did for a living or they, that's, that was their lifestyle. But you never heard all this stuff about it. Well, it's because the left, the communists decided, oh, we're gonna use this special interest group to push our agenda now. So they're literally using the LGBTQ, using blacks, using people of color so that they can push their nasty agenda. That's all it is. And the sooner people realize this is a divide and conquer tactic, the sooner we can stop falling for their propaganda and we can stand against them so that they don't destroy our country and our unity. Well, what I what I find um, disconcerting is about a year ago, I came across a reference to a book that came out in the 1980s. And the title was The Homosexual Agenda, Private Lives and Public Policies, written by a Roman Catholic priest named Ruida. And I thought, you know, it's kind of a controversial title for a book. So I looked to see if I could purchase it. At the time, the cheapest, the most inexpensive copy I could find, a used copy, was for $750 in the used book market. And so it was it was obvious that that book had been taken out of circulation. And so I was able to get an interlibrary loan through one of the nearby seminaries that have had a book in their library. It's over 600 pages. So I was able to to read that book. And Ruida's agenda was not to evaluate or to criticize, but at the time there seemed to be a political movement around the homosexual concept. And he talked about how it had penetrated even the Catholic church. The mm -hmm. priest who was talking about this book uh, had even uh, explained how he was under so much pressure by fellow seminarians to accept and to become part of uh, that uh, sexual orientation. And so I asked an archbishop uh, about that book. Uh, there was a huge political movement in the 1980s and that book represented it and it was taken out of circulation deliberately and the publisher was basically bought out. Wow. Um, so, I mean, these things are happening. They're, they're not that prominent. I mean, people don't know these things because they're not talked about in the, in the press. But you have a very important mission for kids in country, Rebecca. And, you know, you've had the courage to stand up against this pernicious uh, disease that is really taking America down. I mean, we have two mm -hmm. major groups, pro-America and anti-America. It's sad that we have people living in America that, that despise it, that hate it. So given that, uh, what can STARS do uh, our group stand together against racism and, and radicalism in the services due to help your effort. Oh, you guys are so great. What you're already doing is incredible. Please keep it up. Uh, the way you can help us, come to forkidsandcountry.org. That's our website, kidsandcountry.org. And click on join the movement. And what you'll find there is some buttons. It's just a landing page with some buttons. And click on the button that's called adopt a teacher. Every single person knows at least one teacher in their life. There might be a teacher in your family or in your church or your synagogue or your neighborhood, a decent person who you know wouldn't be pushing a horrible agenda onto children, who you know loves America or, or is just a decent human being. Adopt that teacher. It takes only three minutes to learn how to adopt a teacher. So there's no excuses. 
And so once they click on that button, they'll, they'll read the little directions on how to adopt a teacher. And when they adopt that teacher, they're, they're embracing them. They're going to educate them. I have the book you can use to educate them. We have a movie we just released you can use to educate them. Uh, we have all kinds of things on our website. And then you can help them. And we, we help you with all of this. We have a button that says Union Exit. And you help them literally to leave the union. They can do it today. They just need to know that they have the right to do it. They need to understand the truth. We answer their questions. They're very confused. They've been lied to for a very long time. So we need your help. I can only reach so many teachers by myself. But if everyone in the STARS community reaches at least one or more, imagine how quickly we could solve the problem. Um, because teachers and, and other government employees too, they just don't know that they have the right to stop funding these unions. And these unions really are, um, they're the root. They're the root poison that's poisoning all the branches and the trees of America. You name the problem, I can likely direct it back to unions. Open borders, defund the police, abolish ICE. Uh, oh, we want all mail-in ballots and no IDs. The unions are behind all of that, yeah. teachers unions especially, and all of the horrible things going on in our schools. You want to save our country? Adopt a teacher. Adopt someone who's in a, a government union and help them to get out. And we can walk you through all of that at forkidsandcountry.org. Great. Well, Rebecca, thank you for your courage and your leadership. I thank you for the same. It's all a right. real honor to know you all. Thank you. And good luck. <laughs> thank you. You too. Okay.